Welcome, and thanks for joining me, Keen Barclay, on Down the Tunnel. Amateur and youth soccer coaches set the environment for young players. Yes, everyone wants to win and have good results, but one of the most important aspects of being a manager is what you do off the pitch, not just on it. A good coach knows how to motivate and inspire young players to achieve their best and help them develop self-confidence. That's the approach that Debbie McCulloch does at Spartans Community Football Academy in Edinburgh, Scotland. Today, we're going down the tunnel with Debbie McCulloch. Debbie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Delighted to be here. I'm interested for you to kind of share some of your challenges and your journey in the game. So um, why don't you talk about um, kind of where you're from and, and what your early experiences were in sport? Uh, sure. So I'm um, originally born in Glasgow and grew up in a, a small village in Glasgow. And um, yeah, sport was a big part of my life very early on. My parents encouraged me to try and, you know, participate in a variety of sports. Um, when I went to primary school, girls weren't allowed to play football. It was only the boys. Um, so when I went to secondary school, um, and you were allowed to play football. It was, um, you know, I developed a real passion for it that I probably already have, but wasn't able to kind of fulfill it by playing it on a regular basis. Um, I also played volleyball and netball and hockey. Um, so, yeah, sport was a big part of my life. Um, I enjoyed the fitness element. I enjoyed the competitive element and also just getting to meet new people. Um and, you know, academically, I wasn't particularly very strong. Um, <laughs> mainstream education didn't really kind of suit me. Um, either did studying for anything. So I struggled with that aspect. And when I left school, I didn't have the grades to go to university. So I went to college in Glasgow and I studied sports coaching with sports development for two years. And after that, I was presented with an opportunity to go into the third year of a, a sports development degree at our two university in Dundee. And yeah, that pushed me out of my comfort zone because I said, you know, academically, I wasn't particularly that interested. I was more interested in the social side of it. Um, so yeah, and I managed to get through two years of that and somehow graduated with an honours degree in sports development. And then, you know, was left with, you know, choices, but no choices for full-time employment within a, a sporting context. Um and I spent around about six months actually just um, kind of claiming job benefit um, through job benefit scheme to just get by. But then I was presented with an opportunity at Dundee United to um, do a part-time ground staff job and also coaching. So I would cut the pitches, the training pitches at Dundee United and, or brush the astral pitches from kind of like eight o'clock in the morning to around about three o'clock in the afternoon. And then I would coach in the evenings and at weekends. And that got my foot in the door there. Um, and then I was presented with an opportunity to join Ross County Football Club up in Dingwall in the Highlands, um, which again gave me an opportunity to live in a different part of Scotland. Um, it excited me with the programmes that they were delivering and, and their ethos and their values. 
and I spent five years there um, working in the largest community program in Scotland, you know. So I was there for five years and then I was headhunted um, by Spartans Football Club and the Spartans Community Football Academy to be their football development officer. And I knew just through my own ambitions and experience of football that it was obviously, there was a greater chance of me developing more in the central belt than there was up north. So I took that opportunity and I've been working there for the past 12 years. And in terms of my playing career, you know, I'm the first person to say I wasn't the best footballer. I would give 100%. Um, but in terms of playing level, you know, I never really made the top end of the game. I enjoyed playing for recreational purposes and also competing. Um, but unfortunately, at the age of 17, I... Um, picked up a bad knee injury and that knee injury led to two other knee injuries um, over the next kind of like 10 years. Um, and obviously living up north at, at, in Renes meant that I was quite distant from the women's game. So I took the decision quite early on to transfer from being and focusing as a player to developing myself as a coach. So talk a little bit about what that role was of the, the head development officer at the uh in uh, Ross County, in Inverness, like what, talk about what that role meant. Yeah, so it was delivering community programs in schools, um, holiday programs after school clubs with young children, um, you know, three years right the way up to kind of like 18 years old. So it was quite a, a variety of delivery um, and probably taught me who I was as a coach and my values. Um, and I never really transferred into adult football until I, until I moved down to Edinburgh and got the job with Spartans. So that um, opportunity at Ross County got me involved in football in a full-time capacity, which I'll always be grateful to Roy McGregor, their chairman, for um, you know presenting me with that opportunity. Because actually the job that I applied for and was interviewed for, I was unsuccessful, but he saw something in me and he, and he gave me that job. Um, and I worked with some fantastic people and got to travel around all the highlands and islands you know, on a monthly basis, meeting a variety of people and, and you know, working in real remote areas that you might not necessarily um, get the opportunity to visit, um, especially when you're from the Central Belt. So it was an incredible experience for me and one that I really enjoyed. And I, and I, I certainly very much felt part of the football and the wider community up there, um, which gave me a sense of belonging. And it was extremely hard to leave um, Ross County as they do some wonderful um, work in the local community. And then once you got to the Spartans and you kind of assumed the new role, was talk about how it was different from what you had before and kind of like how it was aiding to your own progression. Yeah, it was, it was a completely blank canvas. Obviously the Academy opened in December, 2008 and I joined them in uh, January, 2009. And they didn't have a football development program in place. They had a vibrant youth section of um, boys teams and girls team, and obviously a senior men's team. Um, so it was my first project that I was really given to drive and develop myself and establish a quality of product that would benefit the local community and youngsters who wanted to play football. And over the past 12 years, my 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 job has evolved from being football development officer to football development manager to football and hospitality manager to now business and operations manager. Um, so it's presented me with a lot of development opportunities within my career. 
um, which I've always wanted and always sought after um, to be pushed out with my comfort zone. And alongside my day job, I take the women's team in the in the Scottish Women's Premier League, um, which is the highest level um, of women's football in Scotland. But I do that voluntarily because I always want to give something back to the game and I've always been brought up that way that I should volunteer in some capacity, um, even though that volunteering role is now also probably a full-time job alongside my full-time job with the academy, which is um, the heart of the football club and a social enterprise. So it's presented me with, with lots of development opportunities over the past 12 years and really allowed me to grow as a person, as a leader, as a coach, a manager, um, and, and, and has pushed me in, in, in so many different directions that it's allowed me to challenge myself in circumstances that I probably wouldn't be given if I was working for a different organisation. So again, I'm extremely grateful to them for the opportunity that they presented to me because they didn't really know particularly much about me and I was recommended to them and they then headhunted me and they took a leap of faith, I think, that day that they decided to offer me the job. And, you know, fair play to them as an organisation. They've really invested in me personally on and off the pitch. Um, and I've, I've given me opportunities throughout the last 12 years that have been invaluable to me as a person, but also a coach. Talk about like the opportunities for females to get into these leadership positions across the country in Scotland and maybe some of the challenges faced in order to get there and maybe your role in trying to change that. Yeah, I, I think it's difficult. I think there's obviously a bit of a stigma in Scottish football that it's very male-dominated. Um, so you do come up against barriers and challenges that you might not necessarily face if you were male in, in the football world in Scotland. Um, but I would say that, you know, I think hard work, determination and ambition gets you um, quite a long way in football. And I've always had those three things at the forefront of my mind when I'm doing whatever it is, if it's doing a drill or it's doing a strategic paper or a report. Um, I've always utilised those three kind of qualities to the best of my ability. Um, and I think I'm an advocate for change because, you know, currently in the SWPL1 in the league, I'm the only female coach um, out of the, the eight teams um, that are represented in that league. And that is certainly something that I would like to change and and, and try to promote on a regular basis. And certainly our club at Spartans, you know, we look to recruit former players into positions within our backroom staff to give them the opportunity to develop in the coaching world and present them with opportunities within the team. And I really, you know, recommend doing that because I think if you have people like that, then they're obviously clear role models for the players that are, are currently playing for the squad. And I think it can add a lot of value to not only the players, but also the rest of the staff team too, and the club as a whole. So we try to promote it and I try to promote it as best I can by leading from the front and ensuring that, you know, we get the positive coverage and provide the opportunities that require or can recruit, sorry, female, you know, coaches into the game. You know, subconsciously, I'm sure it played a part in the fact that you love the game of football, but yet as a primary school kid, you were, you couldn't play. Yeah, absolutely. I remember um, playing one lunchtime 
and scoring my first ever goal in football. I think I was in primary seven at the time. And I remember the ball hitting the back, the back of the net and just having this feeling of like, it was overwhelming in terms of the emotion of scoring my first goal, but also scoring it against a bunch of guys. Um, and that has always frustrated me because, you know, I'm all for equality um, and ensuring that people are presented with equal opportunities throughout life. Um, so back then it was frustrating, but thankfully, you know, it wasn't at a time where I'd lived, you know, the best part of my first 20 years under those rules. You know, it changed fairly rapidly when I moved to high school and even thereafter, you know, the primary school, I think the year that I left actually changed the kind of policy on that to include um, girls to participate in, in football. One of the changes I'm seeing now is the emphasis that's getting put in the, the English Premier League for the women's game as I'm watching all of our top U.S. women's players all go to England. So, it, it, you know, my, I guess my question is, like, are you starting to see maybe from the SFA that, that Scotland's going to start to put an emphasis into the SPL and the professional setup or – What's kind of the ambition there? Yeah, I mean, like, obviously with having um, Rangers and Celtic in our league, um, both those teams have kind of went full-time professional this season. Um, and other teams are starting um, to step that up too. So I don't think it will be long before it will be a fully professional league. I think um, we need further support from the governing body to be able to invest in clubs and put better infrastructures in place. Um, and I know that there is a, a strategic review taking place on women's football in Scotland currently and has been for around about the last six months where they're looking hard to pull together everything from grassroots level to the very top and have a more productive strategy in place for over the next you know, three to five years that can really push things on. Um, it's certainly improved you know, over the last 10 years and, you know, the, the probably sliding door moment for me was when, you know, Anna Signal came in and took over the National A squad and the work that her and her assistant Anne Helene Graham did for um, the clubs was, you know, fantastic. It gave us an insight into how we needed to develop, how we needed to push our resources, what we could do to improve the game and they took it to the next level and now we need to continue that. And I think, you know, the profile, obviously, of the, the women's um, English Premier League is, is so much higher than the Scottish um, women's Premier League. So it's about how do we close that gap? But certainly there needs to be more financial support, um, even under the current circumstances that we're all facing, to allow clubs to be able to invest and produce the quality that, you know, the English Premier League does, because that's what makes it attractive. You know, money talks, there's no doubt about it, but it is an attractive league to watch. It's an exciting league to watch. And even though we've really kind of pushed forward and developed that side of our game, we need to step it up even further before we even look to getting close to that level. It's certainly a fear I have is I feel like we're losing ground, you know, coming from mm. a nation where, you know, our women's national team is, up, I think it's fair to say, a powerhouse, you know, and winning multiple World Cups, like creating just an outstanding national team. But now our professional league, and I would say recently, within the last year, year and a half, I'm seeing all these players leave, who are American leave our league to go play in other countries. I'm fearful that maybe we're not investing enough. And while you guys are all making 
progress moving forward, I don't feel the same for, for the direction we're taking. Yeah, and I suppose it's like anything, you know, like if, if you don't um, keep up and push forward, then you will get left behind. And I think, you know, you have to focus on that product and what you're producing. And, you know, as I said, we are still losing a whole host of top talented players to, you know, whether it's um, the league in Sweden or it's down south in England, you know, everybody looks to go there. Um, and I think it primarily is down to the amount of money that is invested in producing a top end quality product. And my hope is for our game is, is that the, the strategic review allows us to be able to look at that and see how we can implement similar structures to be able to raise the quality of product that we have here in Scotland. I think, you know, ultimately, I agree 100%. It's going to come down to what does the infrastructure look like? Is this, you know, an environment where I'm going in where there are full-time coaching staffs, the facilities are, you know, what you expect when you're talking about a, a top professional league. Um, the players are being compensated and they're, sa- they're getting salaries that they can live on and they're not full-time professionals that also have to have another job because their professional league isn't set up for their they can even sustain themselves on those salaries. Yeah, and I think, you know, it kind of goes around in circles a wee bit, doesn't it? It kind of feels like, you know, obviously the the American League was up there at the very, very top and everyone wanted to go there and play. And now all of a sudden it's kind of flipped. And I think it's, it's just making sure what you really want the outcome to be and how attractive you want to make it and how, you know how clubs are, are they providing professional facilities like you say, is there full-time staff, you know, is there that opportunity also to be able to develop on and off the pitch, which I think is more important to players than it ever has been and it should be. Um, So you're fighting against a lot of things that you can control, but you're fighting against a lot of things that you can't control because if the investment is higher in other leagues, it's very hard to try and kind of compete with that. Yeah, so where do you think some of the, the challenges or some of the ambitions are for you as the, the business and operations manager with Spartans Football Club, Football Academy? Well, COVID-19 is obviously a huge challenge, <laughs> as I think it is for everyone. You know, it feels like since March that that has been, you know, the main um, situation everyone has been dealing with. And it's certainly a very fluid situation here. I think, you know, we've got a £5 million facility that we are trying to, you know, make COVID secure on an hourly basis, it feels like. Um, And, you know, at the end of the day, we are a social enterprise, which means we are a charity. Um, And there's been a lot of things that we haven't been able to do this year. For example, our charity dinner was postponed and normally that would raise around about £200,000 on the night, pure profit. So there's financial implications um, and challenges. There's also the practicalities and logistics of running a facility that's used to having, you know, a fairly high footfall through it on a daily basis and making sure it's safe and and reassuring and confident for everyone to use. So, yeah, I think, you know, our whole focus is around about that right now, but also ensuring as ever that we are providing um, support to a local community um you know that's our main task and our main focus you know one day after lockdown we turned the facility into a food distribution hub 
you know, and, and supplied over, I think, around about 80,000 pack lunches to local families and and food family food packs and hot meals and weekend packs. Um, so, yeah, it's been a, a fluid situation and, and a, a challenging time in terms of I don't think anyone returns or has been doing the same job as they normally do, even though at the same time it's been one of the most humbling experiences of my life to be involved in a project that is there to support the local community and their needs and not just to tick a box or for praise. We do it because that's what we've always done and that's what we'll continue to do. So we have to really focus around about how we implement and change our social impact programmes to have a greater impact and a wider reach um, and work with local primary schools to ensure that we continue to deliver that positive social change on, on a weekly basis. So do you have like teams that, that you train with you? Do they start at a certain age? What's the age range of the teams that you train? Or is it just uh, football programs? Yeah, so just, just to clarify, the academy, as I said before, is the heart of the football club. But we've got three separate entities to the Sparrows family. We've got the academy, we've got the football club, and we've got our youth section. So we're all part of the same family. But as I said before, three separate entities. Um. So yeah, within our within our youth section, we have boys and girls teams um, that run basically our girls go from under nines right away to under nineteens, and our boys I think are under six to you know under nineteens, and then we've got the football club that has um, our women's team, our men's team, and our under twenties men's team, um, and the academy on top of that also delivers a host of football development programs which are which is basically commercial activity that's used to provide training sessions for players as young as three years old to 12 years old who might not necessarily play with a team or want to have an additional training session every week. Um, so it, it's a mixed bag. Um, but yeah, Monday to Friday, basically from six o'clock to nine o'clock, it's full of the kind of youth section teams and then the academy runs its commercial activities out with those times as kind of after school clubs etc and weekend provisions how are those programs funded do, the, do those players and families pay for it is it sponsors how are they paid yeah it's a mixture of both obviously we encourage sponsors and um, to you know supply kits or support teams in whatever way they feel they need to be supported the teams are very good at fundraising themselves as well to provide additional opportunities to the, to the kids that play in the teams whether it's trips away or it's additional training kit match day kit um, the coaches are all volunteer-led and, um, yeah, the, the parents pay a monthly subscription based on whether or not you're a seven-a-side or an 11-a-side team, but the teams all get to train once a week at the academy and then an additional venue is, is sourced for them because we can't fit everybody in, um, but they always get at least one training session a week at the academy and we try to fit in as many fixtures as we can, but... Currently, our hands are tied slightly with that, unfortunately, due to COVID-19 regulations and the turnaround of match fixtures and the ability to make sure that everything's fully sanitised in preparation for the next match to kick off. So, um, yeah, but the, the youth teams are fantastic. It's a great setup. The coaches provide a real learning environment for the players and, you know, work extremely hard to ensure that they're developing players for the full Spartans pathway. And, and that's always a target because for myself and Douglas Samuel, who's the lone league boss, 
of our men's team, you know, we don't want to have to recruit out with, we want to be able to recruit within. So, you know, the, the boys and the girls academy is, is really important. But at the same time, you know, the lower age groups, it's all just about having fun and learning the game and, and building your self-esteem. So we have to get the balance right in that respect. Like the, the, the balance of like in a competitive environment as well as having fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of like the girls academy, our kind of focus is, is the under nine, under 11s and under 13s. It's all about, you know, learning about the game and having fun and enjoying football and meeting new friends and developing, um, you know, physical, tactical, but also social um, skills that can develop you on and off the pitch. You know, when we go to under 15s and under 17s and 19s, we start to talk a little bit more about the competitiveness um, and how as a player you want to develop and what you want to achieve. So I think just having a clear indication around about what each age group wants to achieve is very important within any youth section. Um, and I know it certainly is within our girls' academy because I have, with my SWPL head coach hat on, I have quite a huge influence on that in terms of making sure that we stick to those values and we stick to those kind of core expectations around about what we're wanting to achieve at each age level so that we don't get carried away too early and put too much pressure on the player and they end up hating the game or, you know, falling out of love with the game, um, that everyone has their own journey and we need to be able to appreciate that and ensure that we develop that in the appropriate way. So the coaches, where you said they're volunteer, where do you, where do you find them? Yeah, the majority are parents, which is fantastic. But that can also come with its own problems, if I'm being honest, because if the child of that parent is in the same team, then, you know, you can um, be presented with challenges that if it wasn't the parent of that team, um, that you would maybe not, that you'd maybe avoid. So it's a mixture, really, you know, we'll do quite a bit of a recruitment drive throughout the year. Um, and we're always presented with opportunities for people wanting to join the club. I think because our facilities are first class and our infrastructure is really well known and is understood to be of such a high quality that actually, you know, it helps us in that respect. Um, even though I would say over the past couple of years, the ability to recruit volunteers has become a lot harder, I think, due to economic circumstances and people maybe having to have two full-time jobs instead of just one um, or trying to find the balance between family and work um, due to probably most work environments having you know a lot of pressure on them so but um, our volunteers are great they give up a load of time and you know I'm very appreciative of the job that they do. And in terms of like traveling for games, how where do they play their games? Do they all stay in Edinburgh or where do your teams like travel to play most of their games? Yeah, it really depends on like the, the level, you know, at the younger age groups, it's much more regional structure. Um, and then as you get to kind of under 17s, under 19s age level, it's more a kind of national structure. Um, certainly within the Premier League, you know, the furthest that we have to travel is Forfar which is around about kind of two hours away from Edinburgh. Um, the majority of the other teams are, are centrally based, whether it's Edinburgh or Glasgow. Um, but under 19s, it's, it's, a, it's a wee bit more. You know, there's Ab Aberdeen involved there as well. So so it's a, it's a mixed bunch, really. In, in terms of some of the travel, do you, is that, uh, is that 
pose any problems for your families your or kids or how, how do you guys do the travel yeah no no I've, I've never came across any issues you know we have a minibus at the academy that teams can use and um the majority of parents just normally chip in you know i think that's the great thing about football is is that it allows you connect to connect socially um, so we find that a lot of the parents, you know, develop friendships with other parents um, via their children playing and training at the academy. And also, you know, that provides us an opportunity to do car share, etc. Um, but as I say, with the younger age groups, it's a lot more localised, so it's a wee bit more easier to kind of manage. But certainly, you know, with the older players and that, we expect them to kind of travel. Well, right now we're having to travel by ourselves because we're not allowed to really car share because um, everything has to be socially distanced. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's never presented a problem um, or too many problems that I've had to deal with. The parents are fantastic in supporting their children to, you know, get there and be the best that they can be. Talk about, like, uh, so the men's team that you have, um is it full-time professional those are professional players and then the women's team is not no the men's team aren't either they're they play in the fifth tier of scottish football okay. Um, so it's a mixture of kind of part-time and amateur footballers Um, but obviously they have the ambition to be able to you know play in the scottish professional football league Um, so as a so as a club like we're, we're really trying to push that and trying to gain further investment to try and get ourselves into the SPFL because if that happens then it'll generate more income, it'll generate more interest, which in turn, you know, would help support teams like, you know, our women's team, etc. But I think we recognise as within the women's team that we can't stand still and we have to start investing by supporting players however we can, whether that's a small financial reward or you know supporting them off the pitch in other ways we we need to implement that sooner rather than later um but you know the men's team and the women's team work very very close together it's the only club that i've ever worked with where there's you know they stand side by side with each other there's there's no you know the women's team get as good a training slot as the men's team do the women's team you know I could argue are the most important team within the club because they're playing at the highest level within the game. Um, so we've always been treated extremely fairly and equally. And I think that that's something that, you know, I'm extremely proud to be part of because I, so, I know so many other clubs that don't get treated the same. Well, I think it's a testament to what you've done so far, you know, your work ethic and taking all of your experience from, from part-time groundsmen <laughs> at Dundee United to uh, you know what you're doing now like what a journey that's been. yeah I know I think you know that really laid the foundations of who I am that experience even though it was for six months and it was a summer by the way so it wasn't bad weather so I probably didn't have as bad experience as I possibly could have but you know it it taught me that you know sometimes you have to do something that you don't necessarily want to do to be able to get to where you want to be and um and certainly you know i didn't really not because it was beneath me far from it i like doing practical things like cutting the grass and and getting my hands dirty um but i did fear that it laid those foundations for me to understand that you know without hard work you're not going to get anywhere 
And if you're not willing to do things that you know you would ask someone else to do, then there's no point. Um, and I spent a lot of time during that six months really kind of reflecting on who I wanted to be and where I wanted to go. It probably wasn't really kind of, you know, the end thing to have like a female grounds person, you know, um, cutting the grass, etc. But it gave me a greater appreciation of what life has to offer and also how hard you have to work to be successful. Were you the only female grounds uh, person yes. at Dundee United? Yes. Uh, when I think about it, I think about like groundskeeper Willie from uh, from The Simpsons. <laughs> so tell me about some of the people you worked with. Um, like, what did, was there anyone that kind of took you under their wing? Or yeah, there was a few. I think there was around about four of us. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not too sure how they kind of perceived it at the time. The problem after the first <laughs> week, like, I'm I'm not a particularly shy person, and I get on with most people and. I enjoy building relationships with others. And to be fair to them, the guys were brilliant. Like they were really accepting and, you know, and, and pushed me, you know, physically and mentally. Um, I'd never really kind of cut a football pitch or even, you know, lined a football pitch. Um, so I was always grateful for them for that experience and, and their support um, because it did make me very grounded and, and extremely humbled. Who has helped you? You know, whether it was like inspiration or a mentor or did you have one or more people that kind of said, keep going, keep pushing, you know, that you were able to win? Because I'm sure you faced some times that you were frustrated. That you, did you have those people that kind of helped keep pushing? Yeah, there's there two people that probably had the biggest impact on my career and life. Um, and the first person was Sheila Begbie, who was head of girls and women's football at the Scottish Football Association. Sheila really supported me as a young coach and really believed in me. Um, she's now head of um, rugby development, I think, at the SRU. Um, and um, she provided me with opportunities that led to me leading to Spartans, um, but also made me ask questions of myself and involved me in things that and gave me opportunities that I might not have necessarily got if it wasn't for her. So I've always been extremely grateful to her. The final person is my is my current boss, um, Douglas Samuel, who's the chief executive of the Spartans Community Football Academy and also the head coach of the Lone League um, team at Spartans. And, you know, he really believed in me from the day that I walked in at Spartans and has developed me, you know, on and off the pitch in terms of our coaching capacity, but also what kind of leader I want to be, how I want to manage people, how I perceive things. Um, and his input has been invaluable in my development as a person, but also as a coach. So I'm extremely grateful to both of them because without them, I wouldn't have learned as much as I have done um, within a football capacity and off the pitch to a certain extent and about myself um, if it wasn't for those two individuals. So if you had uh, a piece of advice to give uh, Debbie when she was 17 or 18 that, you know, what, what would that piece be? Or somebody, you know, a young female, uh, aspiring coach, administrator, future manager, what would be that biggest piece of advice you'd give them when they're those in those early phases when they're facing a lot? I think it's just, you know, to fail falling forwards. I think the biggest thing for me was, is that I didn't probably believe in myself enough and I was scared of failing but as long as you fail moving forwards, then there's no problem. You know, if you can win, learn and change, 
things that you do then and be self-reflective, then I think that that can only bring you success. I think, you know, one of the biggest pieces of advice that someone gave me once was that, you know, don't be afraid to walk into a dark room with your eyes closed and open them. And I think that's really kind of important, especially within a football environment and a coaching environment that, you know, you have to believe in yourself without being arrogant. You have to be consistent. You have to, um, you know, be firm at times. But you also need to make sure that, you know, you have the self-confidence to be able to do the job. And having that balanced approach is really, really difficult to do because a lot of football coaches and managers think that the most important thing that you do is on the pitch. It's not. It's off the pitch. It's how you manage people. It's how you motivate people and inspire them on a daily basis. You know, that takes time and it takes experience in dealing with challenges, but also enjoying the moments that go well. So, yeah, that would be my my best bit of advice. Well, listen, I know you've got a, a meeting with the, uh, the Scottish Football Association shortly, so I'll let you go. But I do want to take a, take a second to thank you for no coming No problem. Anytime. Very much enjoyed it. And all the best with the podcast. Really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. And we've been speaking with Debbie McCulloch, Business and Operations Manager, the Spartans Community Football Academy. Thanks for listening to Down the Tunnel. I'm Keen Barclay. Join us again next time as we talk all things soccer. Send your comments and questions to downthetunnel at gmail.com.